Uh, oh, wow. It is the final hour. Uh, what a night in sports last night. Aaron Judge hit 61. Uh, we'll have the, the call from the Yankees Network. It's really good. Um, really good call. Um, and we can debate whether or not old boys should have caught the ball. Aaron Judge on the verge of the Triple Crown, which will be pretty amazing. Uh, we have some updates, though. Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be done with any playoff updates right now because we know they're going to 12. When they decide that they'll get to, when they decide if they get to the point that they'll, you know, announce it and let us know where we are uh, as far as the timeline is concerned, I'm in. And you know, there's there's news, there's news on the future of the Pac-12. But I I also feel like, and again, this is no knock, but about every Wednesday, Dennis Dodd has a story that no one really seems to jump all over. And that was kind of the case yesterday. So we'll touch on those coming up in the top five stories today. But right now, as we're live from Cavens, CavensGroup.com, we're pumped to be joined by our man Joey Helmer over at OUinsider.com. Also make sure you follow Joey uh, on Twitter, at JoeyHelmer247. I know I know Brandon Drum had made the road trip yesterday down to, uh, down to Katy, but Joey, from your perspective and following the David Hicks saga, just a quick question off the top about it. One of the more surprising turns based on how everything had kind of progressed thinking it would be OU? It is. I think it was – there's no other way to put it. It was a total shocker. I think um, everything had suggested he was coming to Oklahoma. and um, it, This truly was a, a last-second turn in favor of the Aggies. So um, it, it was as shocking, I, I can tell you, for – uh, all of us that cover the recruiting as it was for everyone that was obviously following it, uh, hoping he would be a sooner from the Oklahoma perspective. So, yeah, it was it was a shocker, that's for sure. So with that in mind, we move forward. Now in what's been a rough week for Sooners everywhere, holy smokes, Joey, we got to go play a game. And, you know, everything that needed to be said was said, right? It's not as if somebody – in the player avails that you guys had, what, Tuesday evening. It's not as if there was any true, like, concerning things that were said. Everyone pretty much, they, they realized it's not good enough. They realized they got to get better. What, I mean, at least from what I heard, was there anything that caught your mind, anything that caught your ear uh, from the player avails this week? Well, it's refreshing to hear exactly what you're saying, that there's not this, well, you know, we're, we're, we're almost there, we're, no, it wasn't good enough. It was not good enough last week. And uh, to a man, that they've admitted that. They've said that. Uh, I, I just think there's value in being candid about the fact that Oklahoma played a really poor game. They did. And um, if they play that game several times more this season, they're going to get beat several times more this season. So, They've gone back to the drawing board, stripped it down to the studs, like Brent likes to say. And uh, I expect there's going to be a better performance this weekend. Uh, it has that feel to me. And, yeah, this <laughs> i got to say, uh, there's not a better performance. Man, it, it, the fan base right now might spontaneously combust. <laughs> We're hanging out with Joey Helmer from OUinsider.com. I, don't know, I, I think it's a good thing, too, to get on the road. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, they played three of their first four games at home, and that was a tough road environment against Nebraska. But, 
I don't know, uh, Joey, I, I kind of like the idea that this game is on the road. Listen, Fort Worth can be and is a tough place to go play, but I like the fact that the Sooners have this one on the road to challenge them a little bit on Saturday. I think that's good for them. Yeah, and sometimes get, getting away, and I try and say this in the nice way, some, sometimes it relieves pressure, if you will, to, to get away from uh, some of the things maybe that they've heard this week and, and just – be you guys, be the team that's in the locker room, and and that's it. And develop some togetherness and just get away from all the noise, if you will. So, yeah, I think this is a good time for uh, Oklahoma to, to play a road game, and um, maybe they come together a little this week and uh, figure things out and get some momentum here moving forward because clearly, I mean, Oklahoma did not, play its best football. I think they win that game if they even play a C plus B minus game. I think that's how bad it was. It was a D or an F in a lot of ways. So uh, I, this is good timing. It is to, to get on the road and uh, put a better uh, performance together. You know, the, it, it, it seems as if we always want to put different guys in right, whenever things don't go well. Um, everyone was so excited about Aguebu and Stutzman, but then as soon as things don't go well, it's why isn't Canick playing more? You know, the, the, the safeties, where is, where is Key Lawrence? I would expect we'll see some changes, but, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I kind of <laughs> – I know this is a crazy thought, Joey. I want to see Canick more. I want to see Key Lawrence more. But I got a lot of faith in Brent Venables when it comes to who he decides he's going to play and not going to play personnel-wise defensively. Sure, and that's why I have a hard time questioning it at times. Is Well, <laughs> the track record is proof. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy knows what he's doing. These coaches uh, on his staff know what they're doing. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to see more uh, Key Lawrence last week. I did want to see more. Uh, Jaron Koenig based on what we saw at Nebraska there. But there's a game plan for every single week, and uh, Ted Roof said that, that some of the personnel moves that they made were based on the specific game plan that they had. So uh, I I don't know all of the details of of that, but uh, there's a reason they went with the personnel that they went with. I wonder, too, as Joey Hummer joins us from OUinsider.com, I wonder, too, Joey, if you know we'll start seeing some of these guys maybe play a little bit more now that they have more time, right? Uh, we, we saw Trey Morrison snuck in there a little bit more. We've seen so – we, we saw a little bit of Canik, obviously, in, out of necessity against Nebraska, right? We're only four games in. You know, we're also in a situation where now the more and more you see – uh, that Brent gets a chance, and Ted Roof and, and Miguel Chavis, they get to see these guys in practice, and they get it more. I think there is a chance for more reps for some of these players that we're trying to see more and more of. Sure, you get later down on in the season, and all the practices obviously stack up at this point. So um, I guess from that standpoint, you could see a little bit more experimentation and uh, those kinds of things, but I just I, I tend to believe, and I'm a little bit more of an optimist, I guess, than maybe some people are. But I 
I have to say it's not as bad maybe as – you know, you lose a game and everyone wants to jump to all the negatives, right? And on the flip side, you blow out Nebraska and everyone want, kind of wanted to anoint Oklahoma as one of the best four easily teams in the country. And it's just not all good when it's good and it's not all bad when it's bad. So – I. I think from that standpoint, you have to kind of sit back and reset. And that's what this staff is going to do in terms of uh, both how they played and, and who they played and who they should use moving forward. I don't think it's necessarily anything where you look and defensively, well, if they if they play this guy, it's all different, right? I mean, it's a, it's a myriad of things, right, that need to get better. But I don't feel like, you know, we've got our, our Thursday worries coming up here at the, the bottom of the hour. But I, uh, I, I'm i not panicking. I don't think there's some fatal flaw. I don't think that there is a, a, a kryptonite right now. I think that, for the most part, they're in a good position to still be a good defense. I don't think you can wipe out three of the first four games based on what happened Saturday night. What I saw, and I've said this, uh, I did on a podcast I did last night, but it, it, and I think Brent Venables alluded to this a little bit uh, this week during the press conference that look the first three weeks did look really good, right? But right. it felt like in a lot of ways last week was almost Oklahoma reverting to some of the bad habits of last year and in previous years, and you're not going to be able to weed that out overnight. It's going to take time. It's a process um, to establish better play on, and I'm specifically talking on the defensive side of the football, uh, the bad tackling, guys not being in the right spots alignment-wise and uh, able to make plays that way. So if a deal to me where I saw a lot from last season that was like, oh, that's the 21 defense. That's not the 22 defense that we've seen over this first few weeks. So it, that is going to take some time to get it to where all of the philosophies and the schematics and mentality is truly what Brett Venables is bringing. It's not an overnight thing. And there were moments where it looked like it might be overnight, right? But, again, from a fine-tuning perspective, and if you listen to the coaches after the games, Joe, you hit it on the head. There were things that were going to get better. All right, I, I want to jump into the rest of the Big 12, but real quick, you, you noticed that there's not a lot of complaining overall about the offense, right? There's some on Dylan Gabriel with a few misses that he had. But I'll tell you what, man, I thought the offensive line, I thought they had one of their better games on Saturday night. I thought they were good. They did. They masked it in terms of uh, the running game. I thought was fantastic. Uh, they they protected, and I just really the one knock, and we we won't get too deep into the weeds on this, but the uh, procedural penalties uh, were right. were an issue for the offensive line. And uh, regardless of what side you see in on why those happen, uh, those can't happen. And so. If you're to knock the O-line for anything, that would be it. But otherwise, yeah, I thought they played a really, really good game. So what do you make of Dylan Gabriel's performance so far for Oklahoma? There was plenty of criticism out there, some of the, the misses that he had. What, what did you see? 
this is one of those deals where, you know, if you hadn't watched the game and you just strictly came back and looked at a box score, you would say, man, 330 yards, four touchdowns, pretty decent completion percentage. Man, this guy had a heck of a game. And you know what? There were a lot of positives for Dylan Gabriel. I did. I, I think the thing that I've, and I've said this a number of times, the thing that Dylan Gabriel is doing such a good job of is taking care of the football. That cannot be overstated. Not giving the ball to your opponent is crucial. And he's been really good. And in saying all that, yeah, I mean, the fourth and three, I believe it was, pass out to Drake Stoops, he's got to connect that. He's got to put a little more air under the deep ball to Stoops earlier in the game because that's a touchdown. And those are mm-hmm. game-swinging plays to where we're not maybe talking about a third and 16 defensively late in the game if you hit on those. So I think it's been really good in a lot of ways for Dylan Gabriel, and yet uh, there's certainly some to be desired in uh, that, that, like Josh said, that's been well-documented. All right, but we'll let you go on this. Um, I am fascinated by this Big 12 slate this weekend. Maybe the most intriguing game is in Stillwater. Are we in Stillwater or Waco? Uh, Waco. For Oklahoma State. Waco, that's right, in Waco. For Oklahoma State and Baylor, um, OSU won the regular season matchup last year. Obviously, Baylor won the Big 12 championship game. You know, Iowa State is a favorite on the road against undefeated Kansas. Can Tech carry their momentum? Can Kansas State carry their momentum this this weekend in in Manhattan and gosh I ain't even talking about West Virginia and Texas it's a fascinating slate in the first full weekend of the Big 12 it's an awesome slate I, I am really excited for yeah I mean all of those games really but uh, the rematch of the Big 12 championship and then <laughs> I was kind of surprised to see Kansas being an underdog at home I, I really was it seems like I I don't know. If, if they win this weekend, they'll finally be in the top 25. I feel like they already should be. But, yeah, th- those two games and this entire slate is a really good one. No doubt about it. Love it. You're the man. Joey, we always appreciate your insight. We'll talk to you again next Thursday. Enjoy Fort Worth, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. As always, Joey is the best. Big brother at Joey Helmer 247 on Twitter. Okay. Busy final 45 minutes of the program, live from Cavens, cavensgroup.com. When we come back, the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day, followed by our Thursday worries, and then we'll get out of the way for the Steel Man on location right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, we roll from Cavens right here on the ref. Okay, this is, I just saw this update. I looked up at Sports Center. They haven't officially moved the Chiefs Buccaneers game yet. But would they still do it on Sunday night, Josh, or would they maybe move it to Monday? Plan and is if they're to, not going to do it on plan is to play right. it still on Sunday. Okay, all right, but no official word on whether or not it's going to be moved yet. So no, no official word, and you know, I mean, to me, just make the decision, get it over with, just move right. the game. You know, ultimately, just move it. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's it's tough, man. These pictures that are coming out right now from, you know, Clearwater, Tampa, that area. It's it's concerning. Ian is uh, Ian's legit. 
and uh, I hope everyone's safe. I hope they are, but we'll see. We'll see if they end up moving that game or not. Very much a minor story in the grand scheme of things worldwide uh, is the football game as opposed to you know what's really going on in, in Tampa in that area right now. Okay, let's hit it. Time for the top five stories today brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Wait for it. Wait for it. And here Beep. we go. Hi, Newcastle Casino. Online at newcastlecasino.com. As you just heard, where real R-E-E-L gamers come to play. Um, rewards waiting for you, as well as the hottest promotions like Midnight Moolah, where you can make money. Real rewards members earn 20 points between midnight and 6 a.m. Sunday through Saturday and $10 in bonus play. NewcastleCasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. Number five. So, again, like I said, about every Wednesday, it seems Dennis Dodd has a report, so I'm just going to capsulize it here quickly for you. Um, The Big Ten has reportedly, CBSSports.com, continued its pursuit of four Pac-12 schools. There is concern that another round of expansion would lead to the collapse of the the Pac-12. Did I say Big 12? Pac-12, excuse me. And... Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren is trying to get another offer from Amazon for additional Big Ten football media rights revenue. Now, if the offer was deemed substantial enough, it could convince Big Ten presidents like that California, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington would be valuable additions, but... The figure's not soft, Josh. It's believed to be at $100 million. If the Big Ten does make a move, then there's a great possibility that Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah could be on their way to the Big 12, leaving Oregon State and Washington State out to dry, maybe even landing in the Mountain West Conference. Now, before we lose our minds on this, we were having the same exact conversation about the Big 12 a year and a half ago. Oh, she was going here. These schools are going there. Kansas State, so-and-so might have to go to the Mountain West. So we got a long way to go in this, but at least publicly, Josh, the 10 remaining Pac-12 schools are showing a unified front. So who had that thought? Who had that report? Dennis Dodd. Interesting. Yeah, well, that would be – fascinating if uh if it played out in that fashion uh, i mean again when we least expect it typically is when this sort of stuff starts happening so i don't know i mean i, I kind of get the indication that the big 12 if it was going to add these schools it was going to happen quickly this last time but man i don't know i mean it's just so hard to get a read on any of that agreed Absolutely, 100% agree. All right, let's move to big story number four. Number four. So tonight, you get the Bengals and the Dolphins. What we don't know is whether or not Tua Tungabaloa will play. There are re- did I say that right? The Bengals versus the Dolphins? You I'm did. losing my mind here in this hour. Okay. Um, but Tua, Tua talked about how he – 
and Tyreek had talked about the potential of throwing a one-on-one ball against Eli Apple uh, as early as the first week of the season. Now, if Tyreek is matched up with him and, and we call a play for Tyreek and it's one-on-one, I'm, I'm giving Tyreek a shot. Just know that he is getting the ball. I mean, I, I don't really feel like Eli Apple, like, shut down Tyreek Hill or anything. I mean, it's why does I know the Bengals beat the Chiefs, but this is kind of an interesting little beef, is it not? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's ruffled Tyreek's feathers. He has, uh, I don't know, some lasting embarrassment or frustrations about it and, and you know, wants to go out and make a statement against Eli Apple for, for whatever reason. So, yeah, we'll see that game within the game. I mean, I don't know if a jump ball to Tyreek is necessarily always the greatest idea, but I would imagine Tyreek's going to get his. But I do like the Bengals to win this game tonight. I think so. Oh, wait, hold on here. Mike McDaniel and Joe Burrow. Well, from coming off the bus, I see swag. And then on the field, I have a, a sound place in my heart for that. You really, really like, I don't know, I appreciate guys that, you know, you're the number one pick in the draft. That is a burden for some. It was a blessing for him, and I really respect guys that come out, take all that hype, and do justice by it or exceed it you know so the guy has great vision and awareness he's very mobile both within uh the pocket staying a passer and escaping to to run um touch great accuracy he really not only makes plays for their offense but he helps other players make plays because of his ball location so so he's one of the uh true young um, flag bearers of our of our league that does a great job and it's a tremendous challenge for our for our defense to to go out there and face him really yeah it's going to be fun tonight man I think it's going to be a fun game Cincy Miami who you got right now I kind of like Cincinnati to yeah roll. no I, I like Cincy to win this game it's in Cincinnati trying to pull even 500 yeah I, I think the Beagles are going to find a way to win this one yeah they look pretty good last week and getting back on track all right big story number three number three oh couple of other NFL notes here quickly. Um, we mentioned you got a fun one, Patriots and Packers this week, and Bill Belichick talked about Aaron Rodgers. Pretty much everything. He's very smart, uh, very good athlete, got very good quickness and ability to avoid and escape guys in the pocket and extend plays. Really no, no weaknesses with the player at all. Um, tremendous amount of experience, game, situation management, and savvy. Um, he's He's as good as there is. Meanwhile, uh, from his press conference, noted injury expert Bill Belichick on Mac Jones' ankle. Day by day, he's getting better. See how it goes. Day by day. Does he have a high ankle sprain? Day by day. What do I look like? A doctor? An orthopedic surgeon? Like, I don't know. Talk to the medical experts. What are the medical experts on staff say? Day by day. <laughs> we'll evaluate him. Day. I mean, what difference does it make to me? What do, you, do you think I'm going to read the MRI? That's not my job. So. But it's theirs, and they, they talk to you about it, right? Yeah, it's day by day. <laughs> it's getting better day by day. Bill Belichick, noted MRI reader. Josh, did you happen to catch that that was day by day? Sounds day like day. the uh, prognosis is day by day. 
day by day. Day to day. Mac Jones is Mac Jones is going through pre-game work, um, prep, and things of that nature. But as Jeff Schwartz pointed out, that's what pretty much everyone does on game week. And we're still a few weeks away from the return of Dak Prescott. Meanwhile, the 0-3 Raiders play the Denver Broncos this weekend. Is Josh McDaniels coaching against his old team? No, other than it's a division game, obviously we want to try to get ourselves going here at home, a first division home game. You know, we're excited about that. But, no, I don't um, – I've said this many times. They gave me a great opportunity at a young age, and uh, I'm thankful for that and um, learned a lot of lessons from that. All right. Um, big story number two. Number two. History last night in Toronto. And the payoff. There goes the deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 61. He ties Roger Maris for the American League single season record with 61 home runs. It's a two-run judgy and blast. Here comes the judge. A two-run blast, and the Yankees take a 5-3 lead on number 61 for Judge. Now, have you been able to determine whether or not Josh Dude should have caught that ball or or not? It was a tough play to be made, but I think with the thousands of dollars that were on the line, you got to make that play if you want your uh, life-changing fortune there so i'm gonna i'm gonna lean yes one of those guys over there needed to make that play though uh i will say judge i mean come on man you can't give us just a little bit more on that (laughs) to to get that thing safely into the deck uh bounced down into the bullpen the bullpen catcher that made the play gave it to the judge family I know. and which Aaron judge presented it to his mom. Just terrible. So, terrible of that uh, bullpen catcher terrible. to do that, to steal from the poor and give to the rich. <laughs> Here's Aaron judge afterwards. It's an incredible honor, you know, and getting a chance to be associated with one of the Yankee greats, you know, one of baseball's greats, you know, be enshrined with him forever is words can't describe it. You know, that's one thing that's so special about the Yankees organization is all the guys that came before us and kind of paved the way and played the game the right way, did the things the right way, did a lot of great things in this game. Getting a chance to be, you know, mentioned with those guys now is uh, I, I can't even describe it. It's 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 uh, incredible honor, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll see if he stays with the Yankees next year. Big question. All right, which gets us here. Oh, I, I, I mean, do you are you still in on the Mariners fighting for the playoff spot? Uh, Absolutely. The Yankees, or excuse me, the Mets Braves this weekend. The what, what did I look last night? The Padres, Dodgers might be might be keeping the Padres out of the playoffs right now. Oh my goodness, Brewers only. Let's see what was the latest update. Let me let me click my wild card standings for all of my baseball fans. Brewers only a a, a half game out right now. Two and a half. Ah, Padres are safely in right now, right? Padres are two and a half ahead of the Brewers. Giants are a ways back, but yeah. Good fight going on in the National League wild card. And Seattle looking to secure its spot. Baltimore is four and a half back. That'll be quite a party in Seattle if the Mariners make the playoffs. Good stuff. Big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Well, we spent a lot of time talking, recruiting on the show today, and it was quite frustrating as DJ Hicks yesterday makes the decision that he is on his way to Texas A&M. In the meantime, 
In the meantime, we got a game on Saturday. So when we come back, thoughts on TCU and what does TCU head coach Sonny Dykes think of Oklahoma? We'll play next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Thanks for spending your Thursday with us. We're at Cavens, CavensGroup.com, water extraction, structural drying, water damage repair, mold testing, Mold remediation, mold remover, fire cleanup, fire repair. Cavensgroup.com. Josh, as soon as this show wraps up, I'm talking to West Virginia QB JT Daniels. Is there anything is there anything you want to know from the West Virginia quarterback? JT, why do you hate Texas? JT Daniels, what's your issue with the horns? No, I just, yeah. I'd just be curious Why to hear, you, so you know, what the acclimation has been like at West Virginia. I mean, he's had an interesting career. He's jumped from spot to spot to spot, and finally, it looks like this is the one that he's really, you know, kind of latched onto. Right? It, it's working out in Morgantown. So, how has all of that played out for him? And just what has his career been like from that perspective? I like it. I, I'm stealing that question. I'm stealing it, Josh Elmer. You can, right, you can, you can clean it up a lot better than that, ref. but yes, use that. Uh, I don't know about that. Since the Sooners and TC are a big story, number one, Josh, I, I guess, can I do something random with my Thursday worries and give something that maybe I'm, I'm not all that Worried about if that's the proper – I think we're worried about everything, right? It's like, oh, gosh, the sky is falling, everything sucks. But if I could out of my Thursday worries that, you know, I'm not a film expert, uh, never will proclaim to be or try to be, but I don't think I saw like a poison pill on anything. So maybe in my Thursday worries looking ahead to Saturday – I think there's some things that Oklahoma can clean up so they can avoid the type of issues they had against Kansas State and maybe more importantly, not get worked at the line of scrimmage or in the trenches like they were on Saturday. And maybe part of my worries is that Kansas State's a good offensive line, but it's not even close to being the best offensive and defensive line they're going to face this year. Maybe that if you want to flip it and say, wow, you might not have seen anything, Plank, but TCU's not up there, but, you know, Texas has some young guys that are getting better on the on the offensive and defensive line. Baylor has everyone back in the trenches. You know, Oklahoma State's okay. Um, Kansas State might be better in the trenches than OSU, but you're, you're going to see tougher trench play than what you saw on Saturday. This is sort of all-encompassing defensively, but my worry is that that's closer to who Oklahoma is defensively than – the trip to Nebraska or what we saw in the first three games. And, I mean, I think that's the biggest Fair question enough. with this team, right, is was what happened in Norman versus Kansas State, is it just the Adrian Martinez played great factor that night? I mean, Kansas State schemed it up perfectly, and it was just a night where Oklahoma never quite found its footing defending the quarterback run game and the way that that stresses you and then Martinez was accurate throwing the football, everything about it. Was it just the perfect cocktail of didn't happen for Oklahoma that night or is it simply more a matter of that's closer to 
who Oklahoma is defensively, and we just don't know the answer to that question yet, but that's my Thursday worry for Oklahoma. It's a pretty big worry, Josh, and I don't think that you're quite alone in that Thursday worry for the Sooners. Um, I would add I would add one more thing. The slow start, and in, in, in some might say, well, it didn't seem to matter against Nebraska. You're right. But they also didn't fall down two scores against Nebraska. Um, my Thursday worry is that they can't figure out the slow starts offensively. Because I think it's paramount, paramount, paramount for this team to get off to a good start tomorrow, uh, Saturday, excuse me. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they kind of started slow against Nebraska, but obviously ratcheted that up rather quickly. So they had one drive and boom, they shut them down. Saturday, they started slow defensively and continued slow defensively. So I guess my, my Thursday worry, would be that they don't end up in a situation where they can turn things around after a slow start. Is that a Thursday worry is that they haven't figured out the slow starts yet, I guess is the best way to put it. No, I think I think that's good and or you know, I I, I don't think it's been good for Oklahoma, but I think it's a, a good topic right. of discussion that the Sooners just have to be better, man. Gotta be better in that department, you know. TCU's good enough to win this game against you, right? I, I you know, regardless of right. where TCU finishes up, and I, I don't expect their offense to finish uh, the year with us discussing it as being one of the nation's absolute best offenses. I think that probably there's a good chance mm-hmm. they could be a top thirty type offense, but I don't think at years in we're thinking about this TCU offense like we did with say the Trevon Boykin. Horn Frogs offenses. I think that's a little bit of a mirage right. with TCU. I do think that defensively, that uh, Oklahoma should have a ton of success slicing and dicing this TCU defense. But man, the uh, the slow start thing. If you fall behind in this game the way that you did to K State, fourteen to nothing, then you're in a world of hurt. It's not going to be probably the same story as what we saw in Lincoln, where it's just a bad enough football team that all of a sudden you can rip off forty nine straight points and, and you know win the game going away I, I don't think the environment is going to allow you to do that down at TCU and ultimately I think TCU right. is too good to let you do that against them one one more Thursday worry and then we'll stop being paranoid and we'll wrap things up with some positivity <laughs> um here's one more worry I don't know how good TCU is it's just they're three and oh um as you brought up, Josh, they sh- they should have never played Tarleton State. <laughs> really, really lower rung football program. But we've we've learned that Colorado is a bottom ten program in college football right now. And whoever thought hiring Carl Durrell was a good idea should probably be fired. But you know the SMU win last week is a good win, with all the animosity between that fan base and and even though it wasn't the most raucous atmosphere. But they knew each other pretty well. So, to me, I uh, I don't know, dude. I just I don't know what to make of this. I don't know. I mean, will we see Chandler Morris? Is it better to see Max Duggan than it is to see Chandler Morris? I, I don't know. I think one of those – it's just the unknown of TCU. I mean, as Sonny Dykes found something that clicked, right? He's got some Sooners on that staff. And Jamarcus McFarlane and Malcolm Kelly. Malcolm's been there for a minute. 
you know, and what Joe Gillespie was able to do defensively whenever he and Levy squared off when Levy was at UCF and he was at Tulsa. You know, they, they play that umbrella defense. I don't know, just to me there is a lot of unknown about TCU, and it's fascinating to me. There's and a lot of scary, unknown about I guess, really too, both. The way to put it. A lot, lot of unknown about both, right. and we're going to get these answers uh, in the big one on Saturday for each of these two teams. But I'm with you. I mean, we just – is TCU good? I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think they're all that great defensively. And offensively, right. I, I need to see more from TCU before I'm ready to say that this is one of the best offensive teams both in the Big 12 and nationally. Now, <laughs> they, they might not be up against the defense we thought they were going to be up against in Oklahoma, so they might might look good right. this weekend. Let's, let's you know, just wait and see. Let's see how that plays out. Hey, real quick before we go to break, here's what Sonny Dykes said that he sees in Oklahoma. Well, offensively, they look, you know, pretty similar to, to the way you've seen them look in the past. You know, really good offensive line. You know, uh, Bill Beatonbow is always going to do a great job with those guys up front and, and uh, typical OU offensive line. You know, great skill, um, speed. You know, Marvin Mims, I think, is one of the best receivers in, in, in college football. Uh, physical running back, Gray's really running hard. You know, and then I, I really like Dylan Gabriel. I think he's a, he's a really good operator. He's one of those guys that, um, you know, just seems to really understand the game, do a great job distributing the ball. And then defensively, to me, is where they just look so much different than they have in the past. I mean, they're just so active. The guys are moving around, uh, you know, changing fronts, moving the front all the time. Very, very difficult to prepare for, you know, just because you're going to see a million different looks, a million different blitzes, um, a lot of different movement up front. You've got to do a nice job of really being patient and trying to, to let some of those looks materialize. And it's it's hard to do, and they put a lot of pressure on you. And, you know, it's an Oklahoma team that's going to play hard. They're going to be disciplined and, and you know, typical typical OU football team. Yeah, there you go. That's Sonny Dykes on his thoughts on what he's seen so far from Oklahoma. I, hey, Steelman is here. He's ready to take over from Cavens. And when we come back, we'll put a wrap with some final thoughts, not just on the fallout from David Hicks, but more than anything else, an NFL game tonight. That's next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, uh, final five here on The Ref with Josh on Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans. Uh, we left a lot of meat on the bone on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but really good stuff, and we appreciate it. But, you know, from looking for bagmen to wondering where are our bagmen to NIL fights to – you know, guys that we need to care more about the culture, all these types of things that were going back and forth. But it has set off a good old-fashioned back and forth between uh, two fan bases that I think at its core, Josh, between OU and A&M, don't think they like each other too much. No. Don't don't know if, if Sooner fans and Aggie fans would ever be in that kind of same conversation that you put like, what, OU and Nebraska fans – and and even Bedlam. I mean, listen, we can we can go back and forth at Bedlam, but then at the end of the day, for the most part, you probably either live with a fan of of one of the teams or the others, or married to it, or family, or whatever it might be. So Oklahoma yeah, fans, whatever it is, Oklahoma fans do not respect Texas A and M. That that's it. No, right? they don't respect the program. They don't respect the fan base. And I don't know that. It was certainly with name, image, and likeness, and sort of what the rumors and rumblings are coming out of there in College Station. I mean, that's it, it's probably worse now than it's ever been 
at any point throughout the rivalry or series. It's not, you know, really a rivalry, but series history between Oklahoma and A&M. And, yeah, that, that ain't changing, buddy. There is no love for OU fans toward Texas A&M. And it's only going to ramp up. It's only going to ramp up because I'm pretty sure if I keep saying pods, but whatever it's going to be the quad or however it's going to be called with the three teams that you'll regularly play, I'm, um, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, and maybe in Arkansas that's in that group. So, uh, interesting. Interesting to see these two teams going back at it. All right, you got a – you got a feel on tonight's game. I think we're both I think we're both kind of all in on Cincinnati right now, which might be a little bit scary. Yeah, we This will be the last week I'm all in on Cincinnati if they don't find a way to <laughs> deliver this home victory tonight. I just think again, you know, offensively for them, it's just been a really really slow start to the season across the board, but I just trust that Burrow at home with those weapons, man, they're going to figure it out. I don't think Miami's anything necessarily to ride home about defensively. I know they did a pretty good job last week against Josh Allen and the Bills, and that's definitely one of the league's best offenses. But uh, I think there's points to be found out there for Cincinnati tonight. I think they do that. And I think this environment on a Thursday night is is challenging for Tua and for Miami. I expect them to make a couple of mistakes, and I don't expect them to leave unbeaten. I uh, I gotta tell you something. I think this is a big game because if the Dolphins win it, look out. I mean, all of your Dolphin fans—well, the ones I don't have to deal with—but Dolphin fans who have been on uh, kind of dormant for the better part of the last uh, decade, bro, they are a loud and obnoxious fan base. So they're gonna be thinking about trying to be, be like uh, what the '72 Dolphins? They'll be talking about going undefeated yeah, after it, they uh, win this game. It, it will be unbearable but i do think cincinnati gets him and we'll show tomorrow i'm gonna be a bedray chocolate which as i understand it is uh i think it's right there in thackerville i think um is my understanding i guess we'll all find out together hopefully i get there in time but uh we'll be on the road down to fort worth hope you guys will stop by and say hey uh until then thanks to gary steelman is on location here at cavens Cavensgroup.com, the Steel Man and Thune at Noon, coming up next right here on The Ref.